0: Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash people today.
3: Welcome to the Daily Face Off Show, your everyday source for the latest news with top-notch insight and analysis. Here's your host, Frank Saravali.
1: Sliding into Tuesday, October 26th, like Ty Domi, not sure if you saw that clip (laughs) that went viral on social media. What an awesome scene that was. We all wish we could have, get rid of the Monday, Tuesday vibes like Ty Domi has. Welcome into the show, streaming live on Twitter, YouTube, and of course at dailyfaceoff.com. He's Mike McKenna, former NHL goaltender, now Daily Faceoff analyst. How you doing, Mike?
2: Man, I'm great. And tell you what, watching Ty Domi cut a rug on what looked like a yacht or a boat or something that I can't afford, that was a great way to start the (laughs) week. What a pickup by the DFO staff.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, like I said, we all wish we could be Ty. It's uh, his world. We're just living in it. But uh, let's talk some hockey. Let's put two minutes and 30 seconds on the clock and drop the puck here on the Daily Faceoff Show. And let's talk about the wild and crazy Metropolitan Division you look at the standings and the Philadelphia Flyers are three and one and in last place in the Metro division standings. Mike, when you look at this group, who's legit, who's not, and who can sustain the hot starts?
2: Well, they're all over 500. So you're looking at- who over 500. And it's, I mean, it, it, this is incredible to see. I think the locks in this division Carolina and Washington. Carolina's off to a great start. Svechnikov with the big deal that he just signed this summer. He's got nine points in five games. Ajo, Vine, and Trochek. You go down the list of players that are performing for Carolina. It's everybody they needed to be from the goal out. I've been really impressed with them. And Washington, I think it was kind of a surprise. A lot of people, myself included, expected something of a regression from that team. They've just been good for a long time. Can they sustain it? Well, they are, and they're doing it with depth. You're looking at Eller, Sheary, Dowd. These depth players have played really well for them. Ovechkin keeps pumping in goals, and they're heavy. I like that team in Wash. Now... I don't know about Columbus or New Jersey, okay? Columbus, they've been inconsistent. They've had something of an easy schedule and that's given with the amount of turnover they have. A new coach in Brad Larson, even though he was taking over from an assistant role, and then Jersey, I mean, they're gonna get a boost with Blackwood coming back in, but I'm not sure where it's gonna look for them. They've had some people out. Bernier's also missing games. And I worry about the Rangers. They've had two five to one blowouts by Calgary and Washington. They're growing under head coach Gerard Gallant. I'm not sure where they are though they've got to tighten up defensively and find their game i think there's runway for the rangers but i'm not sold on them
1: i mean still it's the gerard galant effect though everywhere he goes his team always find a a way to... yeah every single time and you know i think you're bang on the the carolina hurricanes are legit um you know that team they outwork their opponent seemingly every single night nothing that they get is for free or by accident And I got to tell you, I I wasn't all that comfortable in our preseason picks putting Columbus in that eighth and final spot in the Metro just because I think they're another team that works and grinds and is forming an identity under Brad Larson. We'll talk more about the Blue Jackets and their start a little bit later, but still the Metro, man, no easy nights. Uh, Mm -hmm. I I think, you know, even when you're looking towards the bottom of that division, potentially with Columbus, with New Jersey, it's going to be some tough sledding
2: definitely this is a division you can't take anything for granted every night there are some other easier teams in the eastern conference right now but man that metro is going to be wild i don't think we can really predict who the playoff teams are going to be
1: yeah and one of the teams that we thought would be easy in the east the buffalo (laughs) sabers four and one um you know this is a team that we all thought to start the season in the race for shane wright and are they getting it right? Getting off to a four and one start? Here's what I like about what we've seen from the Sabres. One, Don Granato has changed the approach with this team. He's changed the team's yeah. psyche. You saw it when he took over late last season. And two, the biggest change for me is the pace with which they're playing. They're skating better. They're, they seem faster. They seem to have some more energy. And I think that that's all paying early dividends. I guess the question is, where do we see the Sabres in – six weeks from now, let alone six months from now?
2: I don't see the Sabres as a Stanley Cup contender, but I do see them as being competitive. You know, this is a team that... I'm not sure if they're going to make playoffs this season. I think that's a stretch, but I do think they're going to give teams fits. And the things that you touched on, Frank, about them playing with pace, them playing faster, so much of that relates to Don Granado and how he's empowered as players. They're not afraid to make mistakes. You can see them be more freewheeling this year. Last year, they just tense up. And when things would go sideways for the Sabres, it spiraled downward. So you're seeing players that are resurgent. Colin Miller's got five points. Uh, he's putting up what he needs to do and what he was brought in to do, frankly, from Vegas when he signed his ticket. And they've had diverse scoring. Olafson, I like him, but I don't know if he's a point-of-game guy. That's going to regress. Craig Anderson stopped 94% of shots. He's playing phenomenal. But that's going to regress as well to a certain extent. I think having his voice in the locker room, Craig Anderson, that is, really helps. He's seen all of this before. You look to your goaltender as a backbone. Anderson's played a big role. But I think the biggest thing is just that huge change of mindset that's been brought in by Don Granato
1: yeah look i think one thing i've learned doing the daily face-off show with you is that you love craig anderson i mean look yes is he going to <laughs> do. regress the sabers have just given up 11 goals so far in five games that's going to change i don't know that they're going to quite continue to score at this pace um but i, I do think the key if you're a sabers fan is that this team cares and yes. they're also eminently watchable which is pretty important <laughs> for a team that had been really tough to watch these last few years
2: yeah you want to see people in the stands there too and that'll come you know I think there's a belief in that organization it is going to get tougher though I mean Tampa's only going to get better Montreal should start winning some games eventually and you still look to Toronto so it's not easy sledding there but man it's an exciting start for Buffalo for the team and the city
1: yeah I'm here for it especially after everyone was kicking them the last couple years it's just something to feel good about so from one rebuilding team to another in the Detroit Red Wings, who has gotten a shot in the arm from some of their rookies, Lucas Raymond. You know, when we were talking about Calder trophy picks, I, I, I remember a couple outliers to start the year. You know, there was the big three, everyone was all over Zegras and Caulfield, and then Spencer Knight, who was my pick to win the Calder. I don't remember anyone talking about lucas raymond from the detroit red wings and you take a look at the top five rookie scorers to start the year mike what uh what are you seeing and and where can detroit get to i think we were all waiting for detroit to take this next step how much are these guys going to help
2: well a huge amount i mean moritz Sider on the back end has played great hockey for detroit you know he's you don't have to look any further for someone who can help out he's got five assists already but Lucas Raymond, you're right, kind of came out of nowhere in the radar of the Calder Cup race, at least. I don't think so within the lexicon of the Detroit Red Wings. Steve Eiserman knew what he had here. This is a 19-year-old player. He just posted his first hat trick against Chicago on Sunday, and he's got, he's got seven points in six games, four goals already. The big thing for Raymond is that he's in a position to succeed. He's playing with Pertuzzi, he's playing with Larkin, he's playing first-line power play minutes. These two young players, when you bounce them off the rest of the Detroit lineup, they're going to give them a lot in the future and now i think detroit's ahead of the curve uh drew o'connor's up on the list with pittsburgh he's played an elevated role with everybody out with rust out Malkin, crosby so i don't see him being able to sustain it uh we're all missing caulfield where's cole caulfield well Montreal is not any good right now. He needs Suzuki going to get him. Uh, The only other pick that I have out of this list that's a bit of a sleeper, I think Anton Lindell could be in the mix by the end of the year. Centerman for the Florida Panthers. He's played second line minutes. Uh, He's got points in his last three games. So I see him on the upper trajectory, but right now, Lucas Raymond is really the trendsetter.
1: Yeah, the Panthers love Lindell. There's no question. But, you know, one guy that I'm surprised didn't receive a little bit more attention in the rookie race is Bowen Byram. I mean, you see... Mm -hmm. The 19-game audition that he got last year obviously stays under the requirement and remains eligible for the Calder, but he's a guy that people have mentioned sort of on the fringes of the Team Canada Olympic roster debate on defense. So why wouldn't we be talking more about this guy and the ability to win Rookie of the Year?
2: Well, he's a defenseman and it's so hard to win. I mean, it happens occasionally, uh, but it's just difficult when you have offensive juggernauts. That's what you always look to. I think for Byron, the hardest part is that Kale McCarr is still going to eat up a lot of the big-time minutes in Colorado. I'm not sure how much Byron can, uh, Bowen Byron can steal away points from him, but he's definitely a dynamic number two defenseman for the Colorado Avalanche.
1: Also hard to win the Calder as a goalie. I'm sticking with my guy Knight. I think at some point he's still going to be Uh, the Panthers' leading net miner, maybe even to start the playoffs. Bob's been hot. It's going to be tough to take that net, but I don't know. Knight's the guy, still undefeated in his NHL career in the regular season. uh, I think it's going to be really
2: tough, That yeah. Bobrovsky's not going to give that net up easily.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, you're right, and that's been a bit of a surprise to start the year. But let's get to two teams that have been a surprise in a negative way, and that would be the Vegas Golden Knights and the Colorado Avalanche. They square off tonight, supposed to be... A battle of the Titans in the West, a, a, a matchup of two Stanley Cup contenders, and yet uh, both of them are struggling to start the year. You look at their records here, the Golden Knights 1-4, and four, the Avs 2-3. and three, Two totally different stories, though.
2: Here's where I see the biggest difference. Colorado Avalanche, to me, even though it's been one game, they're trending up. They beat the Stanley Cup defending champion, Tampa Bay Lightning. That's a big emotional win in the locker room. OK, you know, and, and on the top of that, too, their top line performed McKinnon, Ranton, Atlanta, Scott. They all had a goal in that game. It took them a while to get going. McKinnon comes out of COVID protocol. His feet aren't moving the same way. He's a little off with his timing. It didn't look like that against Tampa Bay. Colorado looked like they were back, really impressed with them. But they do need to tighten up. They have to be better defensively. Darcy Kemper has been OK. There's another level there when that team tightens up. He'll be better as well. But Vegas, man, they're a mess right now. They got shut out by the Islanders. They're not finishing. They can't score. They have the worst power play in hockey. 0 for 11 this year. 0 for 28 dating back to last year. They've been loose defensively. Grade A chances left and right. Robin Leonard's actually held them in games. Vegas is trending the wrong way. It's a different vibe in the building right now. Tickets are going on StubHub for 40 bucks in advance of the game. Vegas needs this win. They've got to get a win against Colorado Avalanche
1: you have a breakdown coming on dailyfaceoff.com looking at that ugly Vegas power play to start uh, going through all the different scenarios. And obviously they're still missing uh, a lot of players. When you look at their Mm -hmm. injuries, Stone, Pacharetti, Tuck, Martinez with a freak injury. uh, Those are all difficult things to overcome. But the point that I made about Vegas was that they still have other players that need to step up and carry the load. You know, you look at you know compare them to a team like toronto when their big three aren't scoring well doesn't seem like they have a lot in their lineup to go to with vegas like where's riley smith where's jonathan marsh where are these guys that should be continuing to produce you're paying evgeny Dodonov a lot of money those are yeah. all the questions i have for vegas so um you know a lot on the line in this game because both teams i know it's early way early but they both need this game
2: yeah and that that line you talked about marshall carlson smith for <laughs> vegas They've been their best line. They just haven't been able to finish. Dodonov has been non-existent, so they need more from him. The biggest question for me, Frank, is does Vegas still believe in that locker room with the players out of the lineup? I think there's more belief in the Colorado locker room right now than there is in the Vegas room.
1: Well, and Colorado's also at least lost to a couple really good teams to start, which I think maybe helps the belief a little bit, but the power of belief is real. You see it in Buffalo. Let's see if they still have it in Vegas. Now let's get to our bigger segment of the day, the icebreakers. We'll do some news and nuggets from around the league. Let's break the ice.
2: All right, Frank, we've hit around the league a little bit, and now we're going to go right back to Buffalo. What's the latest on the Eichel situation?
1: Oh, man, everyone wants to know, but I can tell you, Mike, the pressure is mounting a bit on the Sabres here. There's been lots of talk about the potential of the Jack Eichel camp filing a grievance over the next 10 days to two weeks because they're hitting a wall. Jack Eichel is hurt. He's not getting any better, and they need to take some sort of path forward here to resolve this injury that's been lingering since way back in March. I think the hope from everyone, both the Eichel side and the Sabres end, is that they're able to make a trade before that step would become necessary. Everyone's been holding their breath to this point, but I can tell you that there has been increased chatter between the Vegas Golden Knights and the Buffalo Sabres about Jack Eichel over the last three to five days. I think there's been no question that these two sides have been in close communication uh, throughout the process, wondering what's going on with Jack Eichel, dealing with the medical situation, and gathering some intelligence on that front. But the Golden Knights are an interesting team to watch here. Obviously, we just talked about their tough start to the season. The irony here being that if you were to trade for a guy like Jack Eichel, well, he's not exactly going to help you right away because he needs the surgery and could be out for three to four months. But I think the big thing to focus on here if you're the Vegas golden Knights and you're trying to make this work is what's the status of Mark stone. That's the real key important factor here. Stone carrying a nine and a half million dollar cap hit. I think there's lots of question marks about his injury. You can tell by the way the golden Knights announced it somewhere between day to day and week to week. I don't know, never heard that before. I don't know exactly what that means, <laughs> but in this case, I would say that it tells you that they're waiting for some clarity on their end i'm told that they don't know you know exactly what's going on with stone or how long he'll be out there i think there's the potential with this back injury that he could be out long term and perhaps maybe they're holding their cards close to the vest here trying to make an eichel transaction work i think there's been some talk about a third party broker that could potentially be involved to make this work from a financial standpoint but I think the Vegas Golden Knights are a team to watch on the Jack Eichel front as we get closer to some sort of decision. I, I don't know if decision is the right word, but some sort of potential resolution, whether it's that grievance or not. I know that these two sides would love to get a trade worked out before then, meaning the Eichel camp and the Sabres
2: whole lot going on there. You've got long-term IR to think about. You've got salary cap implications. You've got money in, money out, whole thing, whole lot of things that have to take place to make that Eichel move, but Vegas has desired that number one center for quite some time. Let's keep with the theme of Vegas and talk about the All-Star Game. What are you seeing and hearing about what may happen come February in Sin City?
1: Well, when the All-Star Game was announced a few years back before the pandemic, Uh, There was lots of talk about it having an international flavor the next time an All-Star game was conducted, conducted maybe a three-on-three tournament with guys from different countries, something like that. I'm told that's not going to be the case this year in Vegas. It's going to be the typical three-on-three format by division that we've had in past years. But there is a wrinkle to this, and I think this could be one of the most interesting skills competitions that we ever see. I'm told that the NHL has been exploring the potential of doing some skills competitions outdoors using the different uh, highlights and and amenities in Vegas, the different uh, tourist attractions. So when you're thinking about Vegas, you know, I I only think about Alex Ovechkin celebrating with the Stanley Cup at the Bellagio Fountains. Think Bellagio Fountains. (laughs) Think stratosphere, top of the stratosphere. I don't know what you can do from there. Uh, Shooting pucks, something. Do something interesting. I know that the NHL will be looking for some buy-in from the players. And maybe, uh, especially for some guys that are heading to the Olympics, Mike, doing some stuff off the ice, especially in Vegas, might be a little nice change of pace before a grueling three-week tournament with the players scheduled to leave from Vegas to head to Beijing after that
2: man I sure think of the New York New York casino right next door to T-Mobile there's a roller coaster there that would be an unbelievable sight for something to happen with these players that's really exciting news for Vegas and hopefully they bring the creativity to it Frank anything else you got cooking I'm not talking about on the grill how about in the NHL what else is going on that you may be hearing
1: well, I, I don't cook, so yeah, definitely wouldn't be anything on the grill. You are the resident chef of the Daily Face-Off show. We've seen some of the things you've posted <laughs> on why Twitter. That's I'm coming to uh, Philly
2: soon. I'm going to get you all churched up in the kitchen.
1: <laughs> love it. So yeah, just a uh, busy night in the Department of Player Safety. Uh, lots of different things were reviewed, but I'm told that there's no supplemental discipline coming for Alex Ovechkin, Brett Ritchie, or, um, excuse me, Nick Ritchie, or... Uh, Steven Stamkos for their hits that were rece- seem to receive some question marks on social media. Uh, no supplemental discipline coming for those guys or hearings. So uh, just something to keep an eye on after a busy night in the Department of Player Safety. That will do it for icebreakers, Mike. Hey, thanks a lot. Uh, I enjoyed the back and forth. Yeah, it's nice, man. Get me back in that hosting chair.
2: Sometimes it's, uh, you know, you get back into the mode of the podcast. I just get so excited to ask questions, man. I'm so used to them coming my direction. Love it.
1: All right, let's get to our daily face off inbox question of the day. You can always hit us up at hashtag ask DFO on Twitter. And this question came in on Monday morning, and it was, there are a few teams off to poor starts. This is from Brandon. Out of those teams, what do we see first, a big trade or a coach fired? Mike, everyone is clamoring for coach firings, whether you're in Chicago, whether you're in Toronto. I don't see any coaching change coming in any city to this point. And, you know, uh, I'd also like to raise my hand and apologize. I was the guy in my 32 bold predictions that said, that Craig Berube in St. Louis would be the first coaching casualty of the season. That's not happening. So you can cross that one off the list and slap me as well.
2: <laughs> I'm not using any violence here. Uh, St. Louis has been hot, and, and I picked uh, Rick Bonus in Dallas as somebody to keep an eye on. Well, Dallas has done a nice job to start the season. You know, the pressure is really on in Chicago, though. Jeremy Colliton's getting it from all sides. Um, I still think Toronto's going to find their way out of the mess they're in right now. Sheldon Keith has a good ha- good grasp of that team. Uh, But man, it's so hard to make trades, Frank, like, and big trades. I don't see that as a fix any longer, especially in the salary cap world. But you were just talking about Vegas potentially with Jack Eichel. I mean, imagine if they pull that deal off in the next couple of weeks before we do have our first coach get in the can from somebody. So uh, I do think it would be a coaching change first, but you never know. There's teams out there that are missing some players. I'd be very surprised by it, though, if it was a big trade.
1: Yeah, I just, I mean, as much as we want to talk about the Eichel situation, it's not, there's no immediate help there coming for the Golden Knights because he'd need to go undergo surgery or any team that right. he would go to. We're looking at somewhere between three and four months if Jack Eichel gets the surgery that uh, he's been longing for, the artificial disc replacement. We'll see on that front. But it's time for our daily face off best bets. Tyler Uremchuk was one man, extremely hot. Cooled off a yes. little bit, 7-0 and through the weekend. He took the over in the Tampa-Buffalo game. I don't know that anyone saw, well, we saw some teams scoring four goals in that game, just wasn't necessarily the Buffalo Sabres and maybe Andre Vasilevsky, 893 save percentage to start the year. I'm not sure I saw that coming either.
0: No, it was, uh, we got a push in that game. We lost on the, uh, Rangers bet. And then, uh, we did end up picking a win as the Florida Panthers beat the Arizona coyotes by two. So it is nice that the Arizona coyotes care a little bit about my bank account. Cause they've been making me <laughs> a little bit of coin early in the year. I really liked the slate last night, but looking at tonight. There's not really too much that's catching my eye. One spot I do have a play, though, is in Calgary, New Jersey. And these are two teams that haven't necessarily been hitting the over on a consistent basis early in the year but over six goals is paying even money and this is all about the goaltending matchup for me it's dawes against daniel vladder he gave up three goals in regulation alone to washington in his last start i don't love the dawes start for new jersey either i think there's a chance these two teams get to six or seven goals in this one so that is my one for sure play tonight is calgary new jersey going over six goals the one spot where i'm still on the fence though is actually out in the Winnipeg-Anaheim matchup. It's already the third meeting of the year between these two teams. I think the Jets are a little bit undervalued at minus 131 on the money line, but here's where I'll jump in and say only if Connor Hellebuck starts. I've been hitting refresh on daily face-off nonstop. Still haven't seen news if it's going to be Hellebuck or Eric Comrie between the pipes. If it's Comrie, I'm staying away from this matchup. If it's Connor Hellebuck, I'm taking Jets' money line. So consider it one and a half plays for tonight. Definitely in on the Calgary, New Jersey over. And if it's Hellebuck, I'm taking Jets' money line. If it's Comrie, I'm staying away and I only got one play. The other thing I'll throw in, Frank, you know I'm a big baseball guy. World Series starts tonight. Astros minus 137 to beat the Braves in the best of seven World Series.
1: Yeah, I'm not loving this World Series being a Philly guy. you got the cheaters on one hand going against a division (laughs) rival for us on the other. Not loving that. But uh, I love the Calgary pick. Uh, It's not even really – it's a back-to-back, of course, yes, but they played at the Garden last night just crossing the river now to go into New Jersey. That's an easy turnaround for a team that scored five goals on their own last night against the Rangers. The Flames off to a hot start. Thank you, Tyler, our daily face-off best bets brought to you by PointsBet. Now let's, a little garbage time action. I love garbage time. My favorite segment of the show, Mike McKenna, what caught your eye in the NHL last night?
2: Well, first off, Tyler's going to get a letter from the goalie union for all that hate he just spewed at the backups around the league. But, uh, you know, I look at a pretty serious situation that happened in Dallas where a fan was taunting Elvis Merzlikens about the death of Matisse Kavliniak, his teammate, his his little brother, Um, just the most classless, heartless thing any human being can possibly do. Uh, A tragedy all around for, you know, everyone involved in the Columbus organization. And, you know, it just bothers me so much because you hear these things as a player and you try to tune them out and you couldn't this time. And Elvis is said in, in the media, I believe in karma. I knew, I felt like I was going to get a shutout that game. And then Dallas hits three posts. Uh, Columbus does end up winning the game pretty handily. It's not a shutout, mind you, but they do win and Merzlikens is is known as a pretty superstitious guy in a lot of ways remember his first year his rookie season he wouldn't speak to the media after a couple of tough losses um, that's gone by the wayside now but bigger picture on this Elvis Merzlikens is playing with an angel on his shoulder right now he feels that Matisse Kavliniax is riding shotgun with him and with his team and Frank I think that's a reason one of the reasons why Columbus is off to in some people's eyes a surprising start and Uh, You you always look for inspiration. You look for things to play for. Well, you've got a a fallen brother, fallen teammate here. Columbus is four and two. And and like I say, I think it's a big part of it, but bigger picture here, man, if you're in a rink and you want to taunt a player, you can do it about the way they play all you want, but don't do it about something like this. It's just the worst imaginable thing I can think of, heartless, classless, and I'm really disappointed that a fan would do that.
1: Yeah, we all are to hear something like that. Real quick, Mike, Did anyone ever cross the line with you, something they said?
2: Uh, It's easy to critique my play. You know, it did happen in Adirondack one night, actually. Uh, And I I remember you could hear in the old American League in that building, people would scream over the glass because the stands were built at about a 75-degree angle. And, you know, you just take it and you go on, and I happened to be really good in that building. Like, talk about inspiration. I wasn't allowing goals. So sometimes what people can say that's meant to be hurtful flies right back in your face.
1: Yeah, some natural motivation is great. Michael Jordan famously used to manufacture it to get to that next level. When someone provides some fuel for you, uh, pretty easy to capitalize on that. But uh, keep it clean out there, folks. That is all the time we have for the Daily Face Off Show today. Thank you to Mike McKenna, Tyler Uremchuk, and our behind-the-scenes technical producer, Alex Allard. We'll be right back here tomorrow on The Daily Faceoff Show every day, Monday to Friday, 12 noon Eastern. You know where to find us. Twitter, YouTube, dailyfaceoff.com for all the latest news, insight, and analysis from the around the NHL. We'll talk to you then.
3: Thanks for watching The Daily Faceoff Show. Make sure you hit subscribe on our YouTube channel to never miss an episode.
0: That's up to you to decide. Now let's talk about prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? For the daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards to treat yourself to some fresh nation gear. And you might even win a jersey from your favorite team. And for the big dogs, those who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge. Play now at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess.